today's episode of the SSPX podcast, we'll continue our apologetic series by looking at the necessity of revelation. Last episode, we saw how it was possible that God could speak to man. Now Father McFarlane will join us to see if it was necessary. Did God have to give man revelation? Is revelation necessary for us to know who God is? Or can we know all about God just from our own reason and intellect? You'll find notes to all these episodes at sspxpodcast.com slash apologetics, as well as all our previous episodes. There as well, you can find a link to help support this project. This is free to listen to as well as all of the resources we're posting, but if you can help with a one-time or a small monthly recurring donation, you'll be making sure that we can continue this work of producing good Catholic content on a regular basis. Now, let's join Father McFarland for episode number seven of our apologetic series on the SSPX podcast. Father McFarland, thank you for joining us for this episode of our apologetics uh, series. And it's been a little while since we talked. Last time we talked was during the uh, vocations series. So yep. that went went well. Give me plenty of time to get sick of me and I even able to detox for a little bit. I'm back. <laughs> Just right at that time when, you've, when we thought <laughs> we were done with you, Father. Yeah. And you come, come right back. Uh, well, today we are going to be uh, continuing to talk a little bit about Revelation. Uh, we saw with Father Frank's last time about... Uh, this idea that revelation is possible. It's not mm-hmm. outside of the realm of, uh, of possibility, essentially. Um, what tack are you going to take while talking about revelation today, Father? Uh, we're going to talk about whether or not revelation is necessary. So oh, okay. following on the possibility, right? If, if God is God and he can do what he wants, it's possible. Um, they're not going to need to watch Father Francis. Who knows how long episode um, <laughs> the we can talk about whether or not that God in some way needs to reveal to us or we need him to reveal to us. So there's need on, on one side or the other, as it were. Okay. So there's, when you, when we say that it's needed or that there's a necessity, how do we, I mean, is there a way to break that down a little bit further or like man just needs it? Okay, fine. Cool. Done. Yep. Well, it's it, it, like so many things in you know in, in scholastic uh, philosophy and theology. The, the first thing we ask is, well, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by this? The concept of necessity, and necessity can can mean a lot of things. If you think of even just how we use it, you know, I need air to survive is not the same thing as you know, I need a beer. Like, you know, I'm not going to die if I don't get a beer. Uh, they're, they're different senses of that same word. So, I mean, we can break down necessity into, to, uh, you know, a lot of different things. Um, we talked about intrinsic necessity. So, um, we talk about a thing's material cause. So because a thing is, is composed of matter, then there are certain necessities. Man needs to, must have, um, physical dimensions for example, because he is a material being or um, man is mortal because of his, his, his physical material nature. Um, likewise, on the intrinsic side, because of, of, of the things we call the formal cause, because the thing is what it is, right? So man must be reasonable right? by his, uh, by his nature. Um, we define man in philosophy as a rational animal. So if he 
if if that's what a man is and this is a man, then he needs to be um, rational, reasonable. Or you know, uh, a circle is round; it must be, it needs to be round, or it's or it's not a circle. Uh, and those those kinds of the necessity don't really concern us so much in this discussion of the necessity of revelation, uh, as we'll see. And then there's the the extrinsic side that is so because of an efficient cause, because of um, an agent doing something, um, whatever a thing does being necessarily due to the influence of the agent. So uh, this must be, uh, this fire must be hot, right? being fire, it's producing heat. Um, what's receiving that too, this being close to the fire must receive that heat. So it is there. Uh, it it needs to receive heat, being close to the fire. And again, that's not so much our our concern today as uh, the next part, which is uh, according to final cause. So a thing's purpose or or goal, and we can say um, a final cause simply um, that um, you know we. There's an absolute need in, in a particular case. Um, something is in order to attain a goal. It is not in any way possible without this thing. So, if I'm going to the moon, I need some kind of rocket or other system of propulsion to get me there. Not just it would be nice to have it. Not just because it, it's. Uh, it, um, it sounds like that would be more fun, but because I'm not getting there at all if I don't have it. Right. Okay. So that's simply final cause. And then there's um, to get there in, in, a, in a better, uh, more effective way. And I would say, I, you know, I need a, um, you know, I need to buy a plane ticket to go to, to, to Rome. Strictly speaking, do I absolutely need a plane ticket if I'm going to Rome? No, I could get on a train and go across country and, and get on a boat and sail to Europe and get on another train. And But to get there more effectively in the best possible way, right, I go by plane. Um, so for the the better accomplishment, and this is the, the much better accomplishment uh, in many cases of, um, of the goal, right, we speak about necessity. You know, I need a car to go to this and such place. Yeah, strictly speaking, I could walk, but it's going to go a lot better if I have uh, this the uh, the assistance of that um, uh, that car for attaining my goal. Right. So, so at the at the end of the day, that that final cause that's what revelation is. We we need revelation to show us certain things. On one hand, we needed to show us mysteries because we couldn't know those without without revelation. And right, and so here, other, revelation is revelation has reference to the the, the purpose of our existence, you know, as I think you've seen in this this series already. That that man has an obligation to to worship God and to um, to work for the goal that God has established for him. And so the question is, what what do I need in order in order to get there? Is uh, Revelation, right? Is that an absolute need, or is it one of these things that it's just better to have? And so, our discussion of, of revelation will be around that question of, of final cause. 
Okay. So is it, um, this is something I was actually going to ask Father Frank's last time we were talking, but is God bound? And I know God isn't really bound to do anything, but does it make sense for him or is there, does God need to give us revelation? So, I mean, we can say in a certain way, God, you know, God's not, God's not bound to, to do things um, the way uh, we might be. There's not an obligation imposed on him from the outside, but having, you know, say given man a, a particular end, then that, that does, um, it's incumbent upon him according to his, his goodness and his wisdom to give us the means for attaining that end or else what was the point? Right. Um, so God is, you know, he's a, he's a free and intellectual being. He's not compelled to, to, to act in any way as such. He didn't have to give us a certain end. He can, he can do what he wants. So there's nothing according to his nature that requires him to, to give us revelation. Um, it depends on what he wants for us. And on the, on the, at the same time, um, you know, revelation is something, the whole idea is, is something that is supernatural beyond our capacity as human beings, our natural capacity to know these things. So our nature can't require something above our nature. That's I think pretty obvious if we think about it. Um, and we are, you know, been discussing largely up to this point in the apologetics series, things we're able to know about God, to know about our last end, to know about our obligations to God. But we can know those things, at least to a certain extent, by the use of our natural reason, by our unaided natural powers. And that is without any revelation. Right? So at least the, the, the bigger points, right? we can know the existence of God. We can know by reason that God rewards good and punishes evil. We can know that man has this obligation to worship God because by being creatures, we are put directly into that relationship of dependence upon him. And we are uh, rational beings having a, an intellect and will, which are creations of God through which we uh, have to, uh, to, to honor him, to give him his due. And we find the knowledge of these things universally in human history, though as we'll talk about a little bit later with deviations and corruption, certainly. But you know, throughout human history, we find uh, men believing in in the divine, believing in deities, believing in powers that are are above themselves. Uh, we have this this sense of right and wrong that that good will be rewarded and evil will be punished uh, in in the next life, and uh, we we see the obligation to worship. We see worship is a part of what humans do. It's worship of 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 God. Okay. So supernatural revelation, not totally necessary. We can figure things out on our own. We have a, but it's a very basic. It's a very broad framework of kind of morality. Right. And so that's and that is of course presuming that God hasn't given us an end above our nature. Right. But we'll come to that later. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, but it's just not, if God hadn't given us that, that end that surpasses our nature. Um, so if he, if he hasn't, right, uh, then revelation is not strictly necessary, but we, we will say that revelation is, is morally necessary 
So not absolutely necessary, but morally necessary for a suitable knowledge, even of, uh, of God and natural religion. So what do you mean by suitable? So like it, 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 we would need it to do better essentially. <laughs> so, so somewhere between, uh, the bare minimum are necessary to reach a, a natural end. Uh, and on the one hand and perfect knowledge on the other hand. Okay. So something fairly complete, uh, the points that we are aware would be certain right, without guesswork. I mean, maybe God wants us to do this, mm -hmm. uh, sure. and without errors creeping in and, and it would have to be accessible that one can attain this, this knowledge at some point in one's life and, and early enough in one's life, you know, after my decades of contemplation, I now at the age of 85 have finally figured it out, figured out, uh, enough about natural religion to practice it for the next 20 minutes before I die. Um, so something beyond, uh, you know, something that is accessible, something beyond that, that each person having to work out a this, this lengthy process of, of reasoning to, um, to come to this, uh, this suitable knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, so like we've been saying, it is possible to, to obtain or attain knowledge of God through natural reason, but it's not very common that it happened, that it happens. Um, that's one of the reasons Aristotle is Aristotle's because he was kind of relatively rare. Uh, yeah, uh, exceptionally rare. <laughs> if we look at human history, we, we see very few who, who've gotten to a, a lot of this truth only through their reason. Again, we see everywhere kind of the, the, the big things. You know, okay, I understand that there is some higher power. I have a duty to worship it. I have certain obligations in, in its regard. But you know, if you think about it, what Aristotle is able to know, who, who else knows that? I mean, the majority of, of human beings and even probably of, of most cultures, most societies throughout human history have no real philosophy or it, it remains at a very very basic and um, you know, pertaining to, to daily life kind of practical way. Right. You know, and even in those places where there were philosophers, how, just how far did their, their influence even reach? Uh, is the, the peasant farmer of uh, ancient Greece, you know, he's not going to hear Aristotle lecture. Um, you know, he's not picking up a, a scroll at the local store and, and reading uh, Aristotle's <laughs> ethics, Nicomachean ethics, it, you know, so, um, you know, ancient Greece is, it's rightly regarded as the pinnacle of unaided human reason in its, in its philosophical exploration. And the greatest of the Greek philosophers, Aristotle, especially, uh, Socrates and Plato, we can include in that they, they achieved a rather remarkable knowledge about God and even about our, our duties towards God. But we're talking about a, a long process of speculation in you know, some 200 years of, of real philosophy taking place in Greece before we even get to, to Plato and Aristotle, um, you know, and, and plenty of error on the way. And a lot of our, of our knowledge of, of the history of that philosophy comes from Aristotle. He has a tendency to see everybody as kind of tending towards his own ideas. But that's a, you know, um, a discussion for historians of, of philosophy. Yeah. But even Plato and Aristotle too had errors mixed in with the, the truth that they came to know. You know. Plato had weird ideas about women and children being held in common by all men uh, within the within the state. 
Um, Aristotle you know, defended the use of, of scandalous images of, of gods being used in temples and, uh, and so on. Right. And then when they die, well, what's, what's left of their work? We find Greek philosophy plunging back into to materialism and, or skepticism or pantheism. Mm. On the other hand, in the Middle Ages, the great majority of philosophers are well acquainted with the natural truths that we discussed in this series up to this point. I wonder why something going on there. Yeah. There. Uh, you know, well aware of it, accepting it, trying to put it into practice. And then in modern times, we have this the new return to materialism along with, you know, new approaches like idealism, subjectivism, et cetera, uh, with the loss of the sense of those, those natural truths known by, by uh, Aristotle and, and others. Mm-hmm. And, and then, go ahead. And then the, the, the history of, of people themselves and, and their practice of religion shows us precisely the same thing as the history of philosophy. We find consistently among the pagans, even the most civilized, you know, among the Greeks and the Romans, whose temples and statues we admire and, and whose better philosophy is quite impressive, we find a, a host of errors and corruptions of the knowledge of God and, and the practice of religion. So, I mean, in the notion of God, we find in different places, animism or polytheism or idolatry or pantheism. Um, we find strange things going on in, in the worship of the gods, even taking you know, licentious forms, places with temple prostitutes and the like. Uh, there are places where it included human sacrifice. Um, the immortality of the soul was, was often disregarded or after death was just seen as a place of a kind of punishment. Um, and then in, in morality, um, all kinds of, of uh, vicious practices were in, in generally condoned uh, and approved and even promoted. And that, you know, something kind of a parenthesis, but it's really the, the church, the influence of the Catholic Church that checked the violence and avarice and unbridled sexual license that, that really characterized the ancient world. And people who attack the, the church these days ought to do a little you know, research on things like gladiatorial games and slavery in the Roman Empire um, before they're so quick to criticize. Right. You know, and, and even just the notions of, of, of that we were obliged to act according to justice and charity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just war theory is entirely Christian. Yeah. Like the Romans didn't, they didn't have to explain to anybody they're going to war. Those guys over there have stuff. We want that stuff. We're going to go take it. They try yeah. to stop us. We're going to kill them. And everyone's like, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. No, so so um, that's a, um, you know, these are they're indications of the, the, our need for something, right? We're getting a whole lot wrong in terms of the conduct of human life and in particular in relation to, to God and to natural religion. Sure. Without, without some sort of a guiding path, we are going to fall off the rails real fast. And most yep. civilizations are going to. Yep. We've just seen it. Yeah. Yep. Um, which kind of brings us then into the concept of original sin or what we haven't really gotten to proving that yet, but I guess we're getting there. Um, you know, what we would call original sin, but at the very basic level, there's this idea that there's something a little bit off about humans. There's something mm-hmm. a little bit wrong for us just from the very get go. Right. There, there, we, have this universal tendency to, to act 
in ways that we know to be wrong, to be contrary to reason. You know, at times we even make the deliberate choice of behaviors that we are fully aware will be detrimental to our own happiness. I can see that in the long term, this will be bad and make me miserable. But right now I want it, so I'm going to do it. We, we do that. We, I mean, all of us have done that. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that kind of thing clouds our, our judgment very often. Right? And this doctrine is, is not the easiest one for, for men to accept, the doctrine of original sin. Um, but we can point out at least here, you know, it's, it's, it's not absurd. You know, why, this is something that ancient philosophers looked at and said, what's, what's wrong with man? Why can he not seem to act for consistently for the good that he perceives? You know, and if you think people are generally good, you probably don't have a lot of experience with people or you're in denial. You know, <laughs> go to the, the post office or the DMV yeah. um, to remind yourself. And we're not, you know, we're not asking at this point in this, this, this podcast series for you to accept the idea of original sin because it follows on, on revelation. Uh, but given our inability to come to that, that basic knowledge of, uh, of God um, without corruption creeping in, that, that inability to, to really uh, know and follow through on our, all of our duties towards him and how much we get wrong in the, in the moral law, um, and just you can start thinking that there might be something to this original sin business. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're going to get all this right, that, you know, what we, what we need to know in order to fulfill our duties towards God, um, we need God to tell us something, right? We know our own mental weakness and our tendency to error. It just, it, uh, again, we all have that, that experience. There is, as we saw with the, with the Greeks, laborious mental effort in arriving at uh, even a, a somewhat suitable knowledge. 200 years of theological speculation of, of really great minds. And once again, it's not everybody who's, who, who now has it, everybody in, in Greece um, ascribing to the, the, um, the ideas of Aristotle. And then the other things that influence us, the corruption of the society that surrounds us, the bad ideas they may have that we need to purge, the pull of our own passions, preoccupations with providing for the necessities of life. All of that gets in the way of us reaching, by our natural reason, a suitable knowledge of, of God and our duties towards him. Mm. So we say, if, you know, if we are going to, to, uh, to know what we need to know in a suitable way, even on the natural level, then God needs to, to reveal it to us. Even, even though that revelation may not be strictly necessary, and, uh, it is uh, already necessary in that, that um, for the better way. Yeah, right, to, it's practically to, uh, necessary. Practically, yes. Yep. Yeah, you can say that. morally necessary. Um, we were looking with Father Albert a few episodes ago about the the nature of man, the fact that man does have a supernatural end. Mm-hmm. How does this play into the necessity of revelation? Well, that it's it's a game changer, <laughs> right? Because if if uh, so, if God ha- has given man a supernatural end, so an end that is by definition above man's nature. Nothing in his natural powers can let him know that that exists. 
Okay. So revelation, somehow God has to let us know that we have an end that's above our, of our nature and the means to attain it. So that, and that's going to be strictly necessary in this case. So some kind of revelation is going to be strictly, absolutely necessary if man has an end that surpasses his nature, if his final goal is something beyond the merely natural. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so if we have no ability to understand, I'm just, I'm just recapping to make sure I understand it. If we have no, no ability to understand things that are supernatural, we have to have revelation to tell us things that are supernatural and further to tell us how to attain things that are supernatural. That means revelation about these things is necessary. has to be done. Yep. Logically. Okay. Right. And we have, you know, if that's our goal, how do we move ourselves towards a goal that we don't even know about? You know, then that, that goal is going to be, uh, uh, according to our nature. So man knows a goal. And again, we have this, you know, this is just part of our daily experience. We, there's something we want to do, right? We're not going to want to do something we don't know about. That's the whole idea behind advertising right. is that they, you know, puts before us things that, oh, now we know, now we want it. But if we didn't know about it, we wouldn't want it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not possible for us to want it if we don't know about it. And if God wants us to want this end and to pursue it, then he has to let us know about it. And then he has to tell us how to get there. Because once again, it's above our nature. So does the, so would we say that the Catholic church needs to kind of prove to us or show to us that, that this sort of revelation is necessary? Yes. Yeah. And that's the, so everything else d depends on, on the question of this, uh, of having this, um, actually having this, this final goal that is supernatural. Okay. If, if that doesn't exist, then everything else, uh, that the, that the church does or teaches falls apart. And so it is, it is beyond our nature. So then it is up to the, you know, the church making this claim that man has a supernatural goal. It, it then proves the, the reality of this revelation from God that we do. Here's the goal. And here are the means provided for its attainment. Um, it seems that that's kind of inherent in man as well, because there's, there's always this idea within man, even if he doesn't know anything about revelation, even if he doesn't know any of those established truths, there's always kind of this, this desire to know things and understand things that are beyond his own intelligence. Uh, and that kind of points to the fact that there needs to be revelation as well. Right. And, and there it's, a, I would say more of a fittingness and there's an okay. appropriateness according to, to man's nature. Like God has built into us a, a, you know, a thirst for, for, for knowledge, for goodness that surpass what we can attain naturally. And even the, 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 the best things that we attain in this life don't fully satisfy us, right? We're always looking for something more. Mm -hmm. right? So we're never fully satisfied with that created good. You can say there's, there's a desire in us for, for something divine. You know, this, this seeking that we find uh, among men of all ages to become godlike, to be in some way, to be, to be immortal. You know, it's even the, the idea behind the very strange ideas of, of transhumanism that we 
uh, encounter in, in our modern society. People trying to live forever, trying to have power beyond what is, is merely mortal. Right. Um, right. So there's that, there is that fittingness according to the way God made us that we have this you know, desire for something, um, supernatural goal beyond us. And it's fitting on, on God's part too. Not that he needs to give us a supernatural end and thus revelation, but because of his, his infinite goodness, I would say that the goodness spreads itself of itself and um, it befits his infinite goodness to give man an end that is, that is higher, that is beyond his, uh, that is better than anything he's capable of attaining by his unaided powers. Okay. So we've been talking about how revelation is necessary, how revelation needs to be given to man for a moral life to understand supernatural things, etc. Um, how do we know that revelation is revelation? How do we know that what one person says is not just a crazy guy having an acid trip? I mean, <laughs> how do we know? Right, right. And, you know, there are plenty of claimants uh, in the world to some sort of divine revelation. Uh, the first thing we will say is, is that revelation is going to be recognizable. If it's from God and he's making these things known to us, uh, he's got to make it known in a way that's, that's recognizable. Otherwise he's not really making it known. You know, a, a re- right. an unknown revelation is a contradictional term. Right. Can, can, if nobody knows this, then we don't even know that it happened. And yet we're still somehow supposed to, to know it and use it for attaining our, our end. That's, um, doesn't make any sense. Uh, and if it wasn't recognizable uh, as true revelation, then we wouldn't be able to distinguish among those religions or persons, et cetera, who, who claim to have a revelation from God. So that's then how we get into, I guess, what the church calls motives of credibility or understanding how do we, how do we, uh, how can we trust revelation or messages that we have received uh, that are either from God directly or indirectly. Right. So then what's the, what are the motives of credibility or what we can call the, the criteria of revelation? How do, how do we know that this is, is, is true and not just true? How do we know that it's from God? So, and there are um, a couple of different ways that you can, a couple of different aspects that you can look at. And one is there are negative qualities. So things that you can, by which you can discount the, this as being a, a revelation from God. So how is it, how is it coming to me? Who is the person that is, that is telling me? And then what is the, also what is the message? Okay. So, if we have a message, say, that is contrary to, to things that are, that are knowable by natural reason. So if the revelation from God is that we don't need to worship God, for example, we can know that that's, that it's not a real revelation. Mm-hmm. We can judge the, the moral goodness. Uh, is this revelation in accordance with what we know by reason about the, the, the duties of man 
and the observance of the natural law. And if it's contrary to that, if it's promoting things that are bad for human beings, are detrimental to, to their good, then we can disqualify that as well. Or if it's just, it's just trivial. You know, that, mm. and you see some of these kinds of things sometimes with um, bogus revelations uh, among, that pop up in the Catholic Church from time to time. People are claiming that they're receiving messages from our Lord or our Lady. And, you know, the important message is that you, they love you. They really, they need to make a special apparition to tell us that. When right. We knew that. Um, and so these are these things that, that belong to the message. So it's truthfulness, it's it's goodness, and it's sublimity that it's teaching us something profound and 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 unknown. Right? They those can be negative, in the sense of okay, well, it's it's uh, um, it's not true, it's not good, or it's it's not sublime. Therefore, I can disqualify it as a uh, as being a revelation from God. Or they can be be positive, and we can say, okay, it is true and morally good and sublime. So there may be something there, but those things don't necessarily, those are those, you know, okay, that's it. It, it has those qualities. Therefore it could be from God, but something more is required um, for it to be proven to be a revelation from God. And that's what we're going to say is that the, the external criteria um, so in our consideration of, uh, of the messenger, um, the one who's, who's bringing us the, the, the doctrine, although there are, I should point out that on the external level, there are also negative criteria as well. If we think about the, uh, uh, the effects, right? what is this, the, this doctrine, this teaching, what is it producing? Is it generating greater moral goodness, uh, greater peace, harmony, happiness, good things? Um, and then who is this Is this messenger? Is this someone God is likely to try to communicate to us through? Is this a, a good person? Is he, is he, you know, we would say, holy? Right. Does he have the, the marks of someone who would be receiving communications from God? Or does he seem to be, you know, a charlatan. I have a history of, of, uh, of scamming people, but I'm serious this time. This is, this is really from God, right? God's not going to, to try to convey a very important message to us through a messenger that we're going to find untrustworthy. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But again, still, you know, I've got, you've got a holy messenger and a, and a doctrine that, that, is producing good effects, still not enough for the for the, the probative value. Right? It's not, it has not been proven to be a message from God. And there we're going to say that the, you know, what is the the positive and coercive criteria, those things that that I guess say, okay, this must be from God, right? is that God will support the 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 doctrine by signs that indicate divine action. And those signs are miracles and prophecies in particular. And there'll be further discussion 
uh, of what those things are and what all of that means uh, in, in later um, podcasts, but that the, the miracle, you know, some kind of physical effect produced that must be produced by the power of God. So God, as it were, gives his, his stamp of approval to the individual who is teaching this by the individual performing this, this work that we would call a miracle, something that could not be done by human power or can, that cannot be explained by, by natural causes. But, and this is, which we'll see, and not to get too much ahead of ourselves here, but in, in Jesus Christ, there, there has been among modern rationalists and even, you know, you Thomas Jefferson doing the same thing, trying to purge the, the gospels of, uh, of all the miracles. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing doesn't make any sense without the miracles. But the only reason anyone's paying attention to, to this teaching, despite the fact that Jesus is holy, Jesus is sublime, Jesus is charismatic, uh, there's nothing um, erroneous or evil in the teaching. It is, it's, it's the miracles that call the attention to it. It's the miracles that, that make people say this, there's something, <laughs> there's something here, right? Like this, this man is walking on water and changing, uh, water into wine and, and multiplying bread to, to feed thousands of people. That's, there's something beyond what we can understand there. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. All right. And I mean, you can think of ourselves in the same position. If, you know, somebody's got some new teaching that they're spouting at us and we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then he says, I'll prove it. I'll work a miracle. I'll show you this is from God. And he, you know, makes a you know, water to suddenly rise out of the ground in a place where there was none. He said, all right, I'm listening. You know, uh, it does have that, that probative effect. And if that's, you know, if that's done consistently in a way that the is no longer, um, can be can no longer be ascribed to coincidence or, or good luck or the like. Then we ought to receive that that teaching as coming from God as being marked by the uh, divine action. And the same goes for prophecies, which we can you know, now, in broadly speaking, things that cannot not be known by by any human reason on the the uh, practical level. So the uh, in the life of, of Jesus, we see him knowing the inner secrets of hearts, for example, knowing what people are thinking, knowing about people's past, and then at the same time predicting those the future events. Mm-hmm. And those that has the again the capacity, how would you know that? Well, maybe it's possible that you could could just get lucky once in a while guessing, or but it gets to a point with uh, uh, you know, again where it's done consistently and things of such a nature that, that there must be divine intervention for that, that knowledge to be present in the one who is, is giving this, this teaching that he's claiming comes from God. Right. And, and again, we'll see, I think we have a full episode just on miracles. We have a full episode just on right. prophecies yep. um, and kind of how that all works. But this is just kind of this, this broader point that we can, we can see that revelation can be true if we're looking at the messenger and the messenger is like you said, holy, basically a decent person. Um, and is his prophecies are backed up by, or his, his message is backed up either by prophecies or by miracles. Right. Okay. And that is, and that's how, that's how we can recognize, uh, revelation is coming from God because it's supported by these 
proofs that are can only be given by God. Okay. Well, Father, this has been good. Um, we appreciate you going through it. It's 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 interesting. We've seen is it possible for revelation to happen? Yes, it's possible. Okay, now we've seen that it's necessary. All right, now how do we see how it's uh, how to recognize that it is revelation? So I I appreciate the, the very kind of slow march towards getting to the final point. Uh, and it'll take us till November, but we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe December. Right. And that's, and it, it is, you know, it is important because you don't, you don't want to leave those, those gaps. Because if someone, if you just start talking about revelation and someone says, well, why, why do we need that? Why do we, is need that it? even possible? And you haven't treated that well, then, you know, you don't want to leave those, those, uh, those holes in, in the process of reasoning it, reasoning, uh, for those who are trying to come to the, to the truth, but also, for us to think about it, to, to understand and, and, and appreciate the, uh, what we have from, uh, from God, what we have in the church, it's, uh, it's useful for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Father, thanks so much. It looks like we're going to be having you back here in about 25 episodes or so talking about the, uh, <laughs> talking about the mass. So you got a little bit I'll of time. I'll be ready. Yeah. I'll be ready. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for your time, Father. Good to see you. My pleasure, Andrew. God bless you. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Apologetic Series on the SSPX podcast and on our YouTube page. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube account and the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are found. And please consider leaving a rating or a review on this podcast. This will help to make sure more people can find this podcast and discover the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Until next time, thank you for joining us and God bless you.